0: Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello,
1: everybody, and welcome back to Upworthy Weekly. My name is Todd Perry, a staff writer here at Upworthy. And with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. You know her from Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. Hello. Now, before we start the show, I have just a little state of the state of affairs just to get to about uh, where we are and where we're going
2: I don't even know what you're about to say
1: well you know this is this this is this comes after a meeting with uh, upworthy brass with uh, Joe Upworthy the owner of the company
2: oh Joseph Upworthy I love his work you know this just points to the disparity in our position and power because you're connected to the whole upworthy conglomerate yeah whereas I am merely a co-host on the show. So all my, infra- like, I never have an audience with Joseph Upworthy. It's always via you. I hope you're a reliable narrator.
1: Well, you know, whenever it happens, it's, its I'm, I'm almost hardly in the room because there's a very large corporate table and I sit way at the end of it. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I'm not even in the room. It makes me feel very small. And yeah. I just sit there and he, you know, barks at me and then I go back and I mm-hmm. tell you, you know. Okay, Uh, I understand. But what I was getting at is, when we first decided to do this podcast, uh, the basic idea was that during the week, people tend to consume news that is kind of negative because, you know, there's a pandemic going on. There's political outrage everywhere. There's everybody screaming about Spotify. Uh, Yes. There's just so much stuff going on that on the weekends, people need a little break. Mm-hmm. And so we created this show, Upworthy Weekly, so that people can hear these kind of uplifting, fun, lighthearted stories told in a compelling and hilarious way by uh, Allison Rosen. Two prof-
2: yeah, two professional podcast personalities. That's two right. Two professional, unparalleled podcast personalities who love alliteration. So uh,
1: that, that was my assumption. That's what people are going to get out of this show. And that's what we're aiming for. But, but no, here's actually what's happening. I hear more and more from people that basically say, we love your show because it gets us off of listening to true crime podcasts and podcasts about murder.
2: Yes, I have heard this too. Now, the question is, do we specifically appeal to people who are weaning from murder podcasts or is it just that everyone listens to murder podcasts these days and so... It's like a common denominator. I think we're specifically appealing to people who have been binging on negativity and then they're like, I want to come to the surface. I want to hear about dogs.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think that also we tend to have a slightly female audience. And I think for some reason, females are into true crime. Yes. I think that's it. That was like that SNL bit where the women are like, he's gone tonight. And then they just end up watching true crime shows on Netflix.
2: (laughs) I, I never really, really got into true crime. However, and this is not true crime, I did spend like an entire summer watching Law & Order SVU, oh. and I was addicted to it. it is, it's so formulaic. It's actually very dark, but it always, you know, good prevails pretty much, and I don't know. I, I got really into it.
1: Now, the problem was with me hearing this is that Joe Upworthy tells me, he goes, Todd, he goes, Todd, we got to pivot to murder we got <laughs> to pivot to Moida and the show, because that's what the people are into these days. So I want some <laughs> patricide. I want some matricide. I want some <laughs> Uxercide. I want some deicide. I want all of that. And then, at the end of the day, I want a little bit of... In a small town called Danbury, Connecticut, a man was oh, going out to the trash little,
2: can. A little bit of Keith Morrison. Wait, okay, so patricide, matricide, deicide what was the third one
1: exercise Extrac- what is it Uxercide.
2: isn't that like a birthstone for people born in august I
1: think that's honest. what is that uh it's actually uh, when one murders their spouse
2: oh interesting given how frequently we talk about the anvil hanging over my husband's head you'd think that i would know that but i've never heard that word and i'm like a word person yeah so it, well, it's ironic if I'm using that correctly, ever since the Alanis Morissette song. I'm not sure. It's silly that you said it's amusing. I don't know where I'm going with this, that you said that because the stories today, with a couple exceptions, are even more wholesome than before. Good. So we're not. Joe Upworthy says Zig, Todd Perry zags.
1: That's right. So, we're, you know, we're not going to pivot to murder anytime soon mm-hmm. until we have to. So until not then, yet. we're going to keep delivering. Only the best and uplifting and fun, heartfelt news stories. And uh, Allison Rosen, what do you have?
2: Okay, let's get to the story. So uh, a user posted on the Reddit forum, am I the a-hole, uh, which is not... I didn't say all the letters in that word uh, To ask if it's okay that he ditched his racist date This story uh, ran on Thursday It's by Sean Nee Ji Niji And uh, the headline is Man ditches his date at a restaurant After learning she was racist Asks if he is wrong um, Okay, so this guy met this gal at the gym He had a big crush on her He asked her out She said yes And they decided or he decided That he would take her to a Korean barbecue restaurant I don't know if you're familiar with those But like the fun of it is that you grill your meat yourself. Quick sidebar. When I was pregnant, I had the strongest craving for this one particular Mongolian barbecue restaurant from uh, down in Orange County, which I haven't been to in like 25 years. Uh, I never went, though. And then the craving went away. But someday I would like to revisit and I enjoy doing all the meat and stuff yourself. But anyway, um, so she, the date, was unfamiliar with like the fun of barbecuing your own meat, and she wanted to know why are the customers expected to do the work that the employees are supposed to do. I, I you know, and I then, hope
1: that she never goes to Subway because she is in for a rude awakening. <laughs> I know
2: uh he explained that's part of the fun but he said look if you don't want to do it we can just order stuff off the a la carte menu in my experience from aforementioned mongolian barbecue place it's like yeah you could order the dumplings and things and they're very delicious but why would you do that the whole fun is choosing your all the stuff anyway yeah um okay so she she said no but in she wanted to do just do the regular korean barbecue but instead (laughs) this is so awful instead she called the employee over and like demanded that the employee grill the meat for her and then serve it to her how happy was
1: the employee (laughs)
2: uh i can't imagine she loved this so at the end of the meal she asks for dessert the waitress brings them the menu and uh then when the the sorry the server brings them the menu he said the term waitress um uh after the server leaves, the date says, OK, this is going to just uh, just buckle in for this tirade. So, quote, my God, this this is what the date says. My God, this place is a nightmare. All these useless immigrants come into the country, don't even work and eat up our tax dollars. Are they even legal? Ooh. <laughs> and apparently she said it loudly enough that a nearby table of people of color in their twenties started giving her dirty looks and whispering to each other. She notices this and goes, same goes for these. Then she uses a slur. Uh, oh. He did not include the slur. He just put brackets slur. Um, and then for some background, the guy was Indian. His date is white. Uh, apparently she thought he was Latino and he said, "My jaw dropped." She saw my expression and went, "Oh no, I don't mean Latinos. They're fine. I love Mexican food." Oh God! <laughs> oh my God! Oh God! So
1: that's that's actually that's actually worse. That's when you can't go to the. I have Latino friends, right? right. It, you're like
2: you, you can't even go to that one. So you're like, I love their food,
1: you know, it's, like
2: that is horrifying. She's, It's, yeah, it's bad. Um, So, anyway, he excused himself to go to the bathroom, paid the bill, and then left uh, and blocked her number, but wondered, is he the a hole? And also, he said that he kind of wanted to change gems, but he didn't. But anyway, I don't think there's even a one person who thinks he was in the wrong here. This, she sounds awful and good riddance. But my reaction a little bit, even though I can completely understand why he was just like, I want to get out of here, will she learn? from any i mean i don't even know i don't know if she can learn but at the same time by not explaining to her what was such a turnoff what drove him away she might just be like i don't know he's crazy and then just walk out of there without having learned anything
1: yeah i think that maybe he should have right before he blocked the number like shot over a text message sorry can't date a racist or sorry, do you know you're an awful person, or whatever, right? Be like you know, or like, like I
2: found most of the things you said problematic. Yeah, uh,
1: I think he could have done that, um, but also, who knows if he needed to pay for the meal at that point? <laughs> you know, it's okay to stick her with the tab when she goes off on a racist tirade. You know, this is true. I
2: feel like you. Do you w- think she? W- yeah,
1: earned the right to pay for the tab if you've done if you do that at, at a at a yeah. meal. You know?
2: Well, he said that he left a, a hefty tip, so I think he felt bad, bad, f- bad for the the establishment.
1: Oh, that's true too. Yeah, yeah. And again, the guy probably was upset, and you know, not thinking too clearly about how to precisely execute the exit. But I think he did a great job. I hope the the gal Tommy Laren was that her name that he was <laughs> eating <laughs> something
2: with something like something like that. Something was, um, and- reminded with it. It rhymed with. No Bert or something.
1: Okay, okay. Um, well, that's you know I I think he did the, the right thing and yeah. he'll he'll rest well knowing he did that too. That's not gonna he's not gonna in six months go oh that was wrong. You know he's gonna feel better and better right. about that decision. He's gonna right. wonder why he posted on Reddit asking if he was in fact,
2: uh, yeah, an a-hole. Yeah. Have you ever posted on that forum? I certainly never have.
1: I've thought about it before. I haven't, but there's been some times when there was tricky social situations and it was kind of a a no-win scenario about, like, how how do I weave this one in? Because sometimes you're just rocking a hard place, right? Mm -hmm. So you're you're choosing where to land, and I've often thought that i do that and then should someone say I made the wrong decision, I would have a link and go, you know what, the majority of reasonable people on Reddit actually (laughs) take my side here. I think that you can back it up. You've got you've got receipts, you know.
2: Oh my god. I cannot um, I cannot I please do that cuz I can't imagine it would go well.
1: What if okay, say say Daniel did that. If if it was an intermarital oh problem and he wasn't sure, would would you actually read the public's opinion and go maybe I am wrong. You know, would you take it into consideration or just be like this is you know, you've you've crossed a line.
2: Betrayal. Um I, you know, honestly, I think that I would read it. And if these people made a compelling argument for why I'm wrong, I would go like, okay, maybe I'll concede that I was wrong. But you were wrong to go ask them instead of just coming to me and to do it without my permission. So therefore, all in all, you're more wrong than I am.
1: That's Ah. what I would do. Yeah, there's no way out of that one.
2: Mm Mm-mm. But also, just because I know myself, and I know him, I know that I would be like, you presented it, you know, you left out some details, this isn't the whole story, you're leaving out the context that matters, that's why they said you weren't the, or whatever. Yeah. I'm awful.
1: I I wonder if the woman who got ditched on the date knew that this was a Reddit thing, and later
2: saw it, you know,
1: I was misrepresented, you know?
2: (laughs) Maybe, maybe we'll hear from her in a future story.
0: I was just being a proud American. (laughs) <laughs> uh Upworthy Weekly. People
1: are sharing the telltale signs that it's definitely time to quote leave a party.
2: I love leaving a party, so I love this. There are few <laughs> there are few
1: things more satisfying than knowing you left a party before things turned sour. You came, had a good time, had the sense to hit the exit before a fight broke out, the cops showed up, or a bunch of people got into a drunken debate about politics. There's one rule that my wife, and I, I wrote, this is written by me. Um, there's one rule my wife and I have, when the couple throwing the party starts to fight, that's when you grab your things and go.
2: That's really smart.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's one thing to know, you know how to leave before things get lame, but it's also seriously important to identify situations that could lead to physical violence or sexual assaults. Reddit user mharris1405 must have gone to a rager over the weekend because on Sunday they posted a great question to the online forum. What are some signs that you need to leave the party? And here are some of the responses. uh, When the host is the cause of any type of drama. Yes. Yes. Uh, When people start getting obnoxious. If you see drunk or high people breaking stuff or screaming, mm. interrupting others' conversations, that's when you can see the party is going to get worse. Next, this is a good piece of advice. Never be the drunkest person in a room. If you're at a party and can't identify two people more intoxicated than you, <laughs> find a safe really ride funny. home or quit drinking for a while. I like that. <laughs> well, the problem is the drunkest guy in the room usually doesn't have the wherewithal to go hey, wait, wait. right Right. you know yeah um and this one's good when you can tell there's an emotionally unbalanced person there who you have a feeling will be a problem you may consider leaving if it escalates whether it be starting a fight or you could tell that they're gonna cause a problem or you feel uncomfortable around them always just your trust your gut and that that's True. I was once with a, a buddy of mine and he brought like a coworker out. We were just hanging out at a bar mm. and uh this guy he brought, one of the first conversations I get into meeting this guy is like, Man, I don't know why it is that every time I go out I get into a
2: fight. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> I yeah. love I love the completely unaware uh S starter.
1: <laughs> right. He's like, What I, is it? <laughs> I go out or I go out with my cousins. Like every time that happens, in the back of my mind, I'm like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I I don't know this guy." And then right. he, but he brought it up like three times. And after the third time, I turned to my buddy. I'm like, "I'm tired. I'm gonna go get some tacos up the street. So you could meet bye-bye. me or or bye bye." And and I, I, I left because I I just knew that this was not. Mm-hmm. This was not good. Like, the guy had a couple shots, and I was like, no, no, no. Cause, and also, yeah. there's some people, they have the, I'm going to start a fight desire in them. And there's mm-hmm. other people that have the, they attract people who want to get into fights into their energy, right? Like, yes. somebody else in the room who's looking, who am I going to fight tonight? They feel mm-hmm. that guy in the room, and they're like, you know, we got this. You know, and then they're going <laughs> right. to get into it somehow. You yes.
2: Know? Their eyes lock across the room. It's like... It's like the it's like love at first sight, but more violent,
1: yeah, yeah,
2: so wait, which one was he? he's the I want to start, you think he was the attractor?
1: I think either way, I think I think he was probably the attractor, like yeah. he's looking at people too long in the eyes, you know, looking right. at strangers or his posture, or you know there's a whole kind of animal kingdom element to a bunch of people being in a bar, you know,
2: I have. When I lived in New York, I have two had two friends in New York, still friends with them. Um they actually it doesn't matter. You know, I don't know why location is important. It's not important. They met each other through me and they are both the same kind of person, both women. Uh and they both are just very mouthy for lack of a better word like no one crosses them no one does something inappropriate toward them if someone makes a comment behind their back as they're walking they will stop and turn around and start something and I am the complete opposite I once to me this is the story that to me just crystallizes this trait that I want to work on in myself Um, I had graduated college and this like pretty famous author was giving a lecture there and so former students of the English department were invited to come back and I was it was full so I was sitting on the ground and I felt something tugging on my back and I and I looked and a professor who was sitting behind me had his foot on my coat and I didn't I held still the whole time because I didn't want if I moved then he would realize he was stepping on my coat and I didn't want to make him feel uncomfortable but he was the one stepping on your coat I know I I wouldn't do that today Good. But that's how much I am like – I have – I I can – that's how much I don't speak up or I have to fight against the urge. So anyway, though, these two friends who are the kind of – like they would start – they had both been in – I don't know if they'd actually been in physical altercations or walked away or whatever, but like they were just the opposite of me. And then when I introduced them, it was like, oh, my God, they are both staring into a mirror and they both are – need to do some work <laughs> oh, now, or i need to
1: be careful if i'm hanging around with them do they not like each other do they get, get no get they at they each other? really
2: liked each other oh, no because okay. they both had like pretty much the same worldview of like you don't let someone mess with you people need to be told what's what
1: you know when you were uh, teeing up this part of the conversation you said oh it doesn't matter location But then you talk about my two friends in New York who are very outspoken and don't put up with any crap. (laughs) And I'm like, "Eh, maybe location does matter. I think you're just hanging out with New Yorkers.
2: Maybe. Yes, I know. Yes. But like neither of them have New York accents. I've never heard either of them call a taxi by whistling with two fingers, (laughs) you know, one of them is very blonde and followed the Grateful Dead for many years. So they're like subtly true New Yorkers.
1: The blonde? As opposed to, what? The blonde that followed the dead. You got a, a picture? You got it. I mean, for a friend. <laughs>
2: <laughs> for friends She is stuff. married and has kids. Uh, but yeah, I yeah. Could, I'll send you a photo after. And you'll look at it and you'll be like, really? She looks so just blissed out. Oh, sounds awesome. Yeah.
1: I I was thinking of uh, some other things that are telltale signs. It's time to hit the road at a party. Yeah, and one of them is if there's ever a point in the night where one person is holding court and ranting and just won't shut up the whole time, and just like you know the thing about Governor Newscom, you know, or whatever, (laughs) and, and they're just and everyone's just sitting there going, "Oh my God, won't this guy shut up?" you know, yes. and they go on and on because they've gotten too drunk and they're feeling powerful or like, you know, they're sitting there like, it's just the flu people. Why can't we get over, you know, um, but it's like, and everybody else is kind of too tired or whatever. Mm-hmm. and just, is paying too much attention to the one person. Or some person is going off about their family, like, my brother, blah, 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 and, you know, he (laughs) wasn't great. And they start talking about people you don't even know, like a coworker or something. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. And they just go on and on, time to leave. Um, Also, when people get too huggy and emotional, usually this is a, a man at something where it's like, Oh man, i loved you, man. We've been
2: bros forever. Yes. And I'm
1: like, oh, nope, time to go. It's
2: You know what I re- It's been a real long time since I've been at a party that has the potential to turn sour, but a uh, a uh, uh, memory from my party days, that thing where you're both, you know, a, a little drunk, and you have like a pretty long conversation with someone you just met where you go into a lot of detail about something. And now you feel like you kind of know them. And then some time passes and you run into them again. They're like, so what do you do? And you're like, oh, my God, uh, we already went over this. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, <laughs> Ashley. Um, yeah. You know. Exactly. You know, and like I can't, I, can't, I can't recapitulate that entire conversation we had.
1: Uh, and, and then you you then if you uh, I'm, you're probably like me on this where then you feel bad because you had to make them kind of embarrassed because you had to reiterate something you already told them. Yes. You know. Yes. Um. Also, I was thinking one time when it's time to leave. Well, I don't know if it's time to leave the party. It could be when the party's getting fun. But <laughs> if you're ever at a party and someone asks,
2: "Do you party?" Oh yes, because that's you're about to be taken in, into a bathroom.
1: That's right. Now, it's either going to be sex or cocaine. One of the two, you know. So it's you never know. Somebody might be into some weird kinky stuff, and like right. maybe both, or at that and the blow. But usually, if if you're at a party and someone says, "Do you party?" That's usually it. Um, if it's a third thing, um, then th- then also you want to be careful. If you know, do you party, yes, and then it's. Whew, it's some kind of scene that you didn't know was happening. Right.
2: What if you're at a party and you see a lot of pineapples? Oh. Not the actual fruit, but the, you know, drawings and representations of pineapples.
1: Well, I think, as we've said before, the pineapple means they're swinging.
2: Right. So if you're into that, stay. But otherwise, it's about to get weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> Upworthy, Upworthy Weekly. Weekly. I have a story, but first, just a real f- I'm sorry, I just have to get this off my chest. Everyone has to know, you have two tortoises. I discovered this over the weekend. We've now known each other for like a decent amount of time. We've had a lot of conversations. Mm-hmm. I know you have a dog. I never knew you had two tortoises. This changes everything. And when I heard it, I said, there's no way I'm not spending a lot of time on the podcast discussing that. Okay,
1: so it didn't make you feel like I was a creepy reptile guy. Because sometimes no. people get that vibe when you have tortoises.
2: Really? If you had a snake wrapped around your neck and you enjoyed feeding it rats and making people watch and stuff, then you're a creepy reptile guy. But no, tortoises is like, you're like Dr. Doolittle. Oh, thank you. I loved it. I love it.
1: Yes, they are. They, they are. A, I have an African sulcata tortoise that weighs like 45 pounds. Named Charles Woodson, uh, <laughs> but we <laughs> recently found out that Charles Woodson is female, so we're kind of trying to figure out how to square that circle. I think maybe I call her Charlie sometimes.
2: Charlie, yeah, yeah Charlie is a, is a pretty uh, androgynous of a name these days.
1: Yeah, and it used to be a, a female perfume back in the day. That's uh, right. A, and then I have another one uh, named that's a, a uh, African uh, leopard tortoise that's smaller but older, and uh, his name is Kingston.
2: All right, so this next story received uh, a little note from Todd that it was even more wholesome than usual, which I think is very sweet. Um, Okay, so uh, a five year old gave his mom some advice for handling nerves, and it was both adorable and spot on. And this story is by Annie Renault, and it ran on Monday. Uh, A woman named Stressy Bessie. I suspect that's not her given name. I think that's her Twitter handle. Uh posted the following tweet thread. So, quote, when talking about our agendas for the day, I told my 5-year-old I was a little nervous about a meeting I have today. He said, "Mama, I am nervous all the time. I know what to do." So, friends, here is all the advice he could fit into the drive to school. And then she put this in a Twitter thread. Uh, and it's amazing. So, one, so th- Quote, you got to say your affirmations in your mouth and your heart. You say, I am brave of this meeting. I am loved. I smell good. And you can say it five or three or ten until you know it. Oh, that's
1: so cute. I, Two. But it is true. You good. say it in your mouth and your heart. You know, yes. that's if you're really going to have an affirmation. You got you to gotta buy into it or else it's not affirming.
2: This kid knows. Right. He knows. Two, you got to walk big. You got to mean it like Dolly on a dinosaur because you got it.
1: Got to walk three, man.
2: You gotta mean it. Three. Never put a skunk on a bus. I think that's accurate. You know. Yeah. Four. Think about the donuts of your day. Even if you cry a little, you can think about potato chips. And then Annie, I know it's so sweet. Annie pointed out, like, are we talking figurative donuts, like the highlights of your day, or are we talking actual donuts? Either way, it works.
1: And I think with this kid, given that he's so advanced, I think he's talking about both.
2: Yes, he probably does get figurative yeah. uh, stuff. Five, you got to take a deep breath and you got to do it again. It's true. Isn't that like the core of meditation? Taking a deep breath and doing it again? Yeah, definitely. Um, This one makes me melt. Six, even if it's a yucky day, you can get a hug. Oh, I don't. Uh, and then that afternoon, he had uh, another little bit of advice: don't get distracted, and your feet will stay on the sidewalk and not too full of snow. It's <laughs> so sweet. Is that a haiku? <laughs> I, I think so. S- some kind of Zen koan, you know? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about it, uh, and and also clear my mind at the same time.
1: Whoa, that was deep. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, thank
2: you. You're just like this I'm, kid. I'm, you know? This kid was me. <laughs> eerie music. Eerie look. Um. Yeah, that's very sweet. This is all really good advice. Um, and I'm really glad that she wrote it down and shared it with all of us. And now I'm trying to think if my children have offered any sort of things like this. Hmm. I mean, I love them. I love them and I never felt they were falling short in any areas, but I don't know that I've received any pearls of wisdom or inspirational life hacks from them. Upworthy Upworthy weekly. Weekly.
1: What parents, mm -hmm. what parents are teaching kids when we allow them to take a quote mental health day. Hmm. And this is by Anne Renault or Annie. I should know Annie. I work with her every day. Um, Utah passed a bill in 2018 that allows a mental health day to count as an excused absence from school. Oregon enacted a similar law in 20, 2019, and Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Maine, Nevada, and Virginia have all followed suit. Quote, mental health days are not only good for the practical aspect of giving young people a break, the psychologist told Healthline, but they also validate that the community and society are saying, we understand and we're supporting you in this way. Sometimes we forget how hard it is being a kid. In some ways, I think it's harder than being an adult. Considering the fact that one in six kids between the ages of six and 17 experience a mental health disorder each year, we need to acknowledge that a lot of kids have days where they're struggling. And so what what I took from this is that, you know, uh, I, I kind of file this under, we're starting to take, the mind is being as serious as the body when it comes to illness Mm -hmm. and when it comes to like, you know, you break your arm, of course, you know, you're going to miss a little bit of school, you know, but if you're having a mental problem, something people can't see, it's not taken as seriously. And I think we need to get in alignment on both of those things. And I think the mental health day is important because I mean, just the stresses kids have in school today, you know, with the classwork and, um, you know with with other kids and with the instagram yeah. and the cigarettes and all the things and <laughs> all the mashed potato these kids are dancing all the oh time oh my god
2: the charleston yes it's going to lead to with satan all the bad stuff um yes i think i took a lot of these in school because i would just be like i can't i can't do it today i can't go uh, especially once i was able to write my own notes in high school near the end of high school oh boy but I never felt like it was okay I felt like there's something wrong with me that I can't hack it and I'm like hiding out pretending to be sick or something even though I know that I'm actually up to going to school so I like that it's becoming normalized and accepted because I do think it's important to allow a kid to be like I just need a day yeah. I, I just can't do it today or whatever I mean obviously depending on the circumstances and the age but I like I said I did take advantage of parents who would allow me to to like miss school if I you know demanded it yeah. um but I never felt good about it and i I think
1: yeah and so with this with the school going look this is important with the state going you know uh that's important and then also it makes parents probably go okay this should be something that I I'm in favor of as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it just goes down to a deeper thing of us taking care of our own mental health and respecting the fact that it's really important. And I think some people might think, well, oh, I don't know. Some kids are going to take advantage of this. Mm -hmm. And I think, well, do kids take advantage of other being sick things? Oh, oh, I can't go. You know, Um, I'm Ferris Bueller or Elliot. I forget. (laughs) From E. T. putting the thermometer on the lamp.
2: Oh right. <laughs> it was super hot, yeah. Which one which movie was this? was this? Uh I think they both did it. Oh really? Well, I think so. I think it's in both movies. Yeah,
1: just like it was just happening in the eighties. Or maybe uh, Ferris yeah. Bueller saw E. T. and got the idea, I think.
2: That's probably what it was.
1: You know. But yeah, so I think that's a, a an important thing, and I don't think kids are gonna take advantage because they also have things to take advantage of already. Mm -hmm. And that also, uh, as parents, parents know their kids and they know what their kids can handle and, uh, you know, what their kind of self-care routine is. And a good parent will know, hey, you know, it's time to let the kid have a day off here.
2: Right, right. And also I think, you know, if your kid is really not wanting, again, situation, age, you know, all these things matter, but like if your kid is really not wanting to go to school, it might uh warrant talking everything warrants talking to them but like like what is specifically going on that they're struggling with you know and maybe they need help with some aspect of it
1: right yeah it's a great opportunity to have a conversation with your kids totally
0: it's time to rate your week Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com.
1: Allison, on a scale of one to five, one being completely awful, terrible, no good, bad week, and five being (laughs) transplendent, rate your week.
2: Transplendent. Wow. Uh, I'm going to give this week a four. Had a pretty good week. Uh, My son Elliot turned five. So that was exciting for all involved. Um, His birthday. So his actual birthday was yesterday. And then today, uh, Daniel's mom is driving in. And then tomorrow, I think we're getting together with my sister and her kids. So it's going to be like three days of birthday. And my husband said, and I don't know if you're going to get this reference, but if anyone out there does, it will really, I hope it means something to them. This is how you create a Stassi. She's a person from Vanderpump Rules who is very like, I mean, they're all kind of entitled, but just, he's actually a Stassi fan. I I, I hope that if she were to hear this, she wouldn't be, uh, she wouldn't be offended by that but just like this is how you create a child who's going to be v- like it's my birthday month
1: you know oh, okay. meaning like
2: we've gone a little too far with the like and you know the, just the, the three-day elliot palooza but you know i feel like with covid birthdays and whatnot i think parents are overdoing it a bit because there's no actual party or anything like that
1: yeah I'm but i'm still. with you on that i think it's cool because yeah you're not going to have a big memorable birthday party so you can expand it. And if right. you're like, man, kid, you've been great. You put up with all this BS for now almost Two half years. your life, you know. Yeah. Uh, go for it. Enjoy yourself. There'll be, you know, it'll be like the number 10 on the list of things he's going to have to talk to a therapist about after growing <laughs> up in this area era. So I know.
2: don't even worry about
1: it, you know. Yeah.
2: I think it's fine. Um. Yeah. So, so it's, uh it's been you know, fun to reflect on all that's happened in the last five years. And usually with kids and with time, I find that it's like I, I blink and now two years have gone. But that's how this pandemic has felt. Yeah. It's both long and short. But when I think about where I was five years ago in the hospital having him, that now does really feel like a long time ago. So, yeah, it was a good week.
1: Are you a better person than you were last week?
2: I am, because I found out that you have tortoises. Oh. And this has given me just a lot to talk about, a lot to think about. It's altered how I regard you, and not in a negative way. I'm just super into it. So I do feel that it's added something to my life. Should I
1: be one of those people that starts an Instagram page of pictures of my tortoises? Yes. Todd's Tortoises.
2: At Todd's
1: Tortoises. I love it. I love it. And yeah. people could see pictures of my Charlie,
2: She's so sweet. <laughs> is Charlie your favorite? Because I feel like Charlie's getting more, more, uh, lip service here.
1: Charlie's like the, just a sweetheart angel, that's just really nice and sweet, and he pet her head. And and uh, Kingston is uh, a little sexually aggressive. Um, he, he. What does that mean? He, he tries to make with Charlie quite often. Oh. But given their size discrepancy, it's a little difficult. Yeah. You know? So, but, you know.
2: Poor guy. Do people neuter tortoises?
1: I, you, you know, you'd have to have some kind of a, you'd have to have a very large magnifying glass. <laughs> and you, you'd have to. Ooh, burn. Burn, turtles. Yeah, you'd have to have, like, the scalpel of a moil. And you'd have to really just (laughs) get in there. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that could be a new business I start.
2: All right. Todd, tell me about your week on a scale of one to five, one being just horrible and five being amazing.
1: I had a bad week because I had a a birthday celebration with my friends where we went golfing. Me and Saul, the punk rock accountant, and Doubting Mark from HB and Alvin, the world's greatest undocumented golfer um we all play who are you
2: t- who are you to them because if they all have these cool nicknames who are you the king of good news oh they're on board with that <laughs> one too cool I,
1: <laughs> I don't sit up there with my friends on the golf course but you know uh i don't know i don't know they i todd can't putt i don't know uh something
2: <laughs> but i'm gonna I, have to ask them i played horribly i played horribly
1: and it just, my game fell apart at a certain point. And I know this is a total first world problem saying I had a bad week, so I had a bad golf outing. Right. But I was like so sad that my friend, I was playing and I was like, I
2: can't hit the ball. Well, I was just going to say, but I think I, I interrupted you. I was going to say, are you a better person this week?
1: No. Uh, I think I need to get out and do something. God, I've been cooped up in the house too much. And it's the pandemic yes. and everything. <laughs> and, I've been doing some things, but not obviously not as socially active as I used to be. And I think I'm getting a little tired of everything being virtual in my life. Mm-hmm. And like, I yes. need to get out and like learn kung fu or golf more or get out and like be around just people and everything. Cause I hear that so much. I work from home. I get you, you can I can do four days where like the only thing I did or outside of the house was like go to Stater Brothers. You know, mm-hmm. and, and go shopping. So I think I was feeling a little cooped up this week, so I was getting a little bummed out.
2: Yeah, um, I, I do hear that.
1: But, oh, and anybody listening, if they're interested, I wrote a piece on one of the guys I golf with called My Friend is the World's Greatest Undocumented Golfer. I wrote it for Upworthy like two years ago. and It's one of my favorite things I've ever written, and it's about my friend who overcame amazing, amazing things uh, coming over from Mexico lived beneath a bridge, and it wound up creating a wonderful life and being this incredible, generous human being that also kicks my butt in golf. So, anybody wants to read that, I think it's an inspiring story, one of my favorite things I've ever written. That's out there on, uh, just Google it.
0: Upworthy Weekly.
2: Uh, speaking of parenting, an anxious mom-to-be asked what parents love about having children, and the responses were beautiful. That was the headline, and this is by some sappy guy named Todd Perry, and it ran on Friday. This one didn't receive uh, a wholesome alert we, when you sent it to me.
1: Well, I couldn't do two. I couldn't. We, we already had another wholesome story, but you know, yeah. now but I'm. This just, is wholesome. After you called me that, I'm thinking we are we are pivoting to murder. Uh, <laughs> okay,
2: just you're murdering fish. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. It was a bright sunny day when Todd Perry walked toward the fish tank. Turned out he thought he wasn't alone, but he was. Or was he? I'm not. I need to think about this before I really commit. Okay, listen. Um, So uh, a a writer named Rose Stokes tweeted without wanting to undermine the struggles of parenthood, which I know are huge. I'm getting a bit anxious with lots of people telling me how hard and difficult being a mother will be as an antidote. Parents of Twitter, what big or small things do you love about having children? And then Lucy Huber, whom I follow, responded. Uh, I think the reason it seems like parenthood is all bad is because it's easy to describe the bad parts and impossible to describe the good parts because they are so good they are otherworldly. I think that's very accurate. That is, that is. Um, yeah, because the negative parts are like very—they're usually concrete and uh, very tweetable and funny and all those things where it is—it is harder to articulate sort of the 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 um. I'm having trouble articulating what I'm trying to articulate. The good parts. Uh, well, okay, and the then whole just the point was she said the good parts are hard to articulate. Yeah.
1: That was the whole thing and then you're like I can't right. articulate the harder. Yeah, so it's
2: Right. It's but I was good. trying to articulate what it is about the good parts that's the the sort of the 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 scale, I guess is what I mean to say of sort of the overwhelming scale of how sort of transcendent it can be. Okay, Just a Baker says, um, "Mother love the moment you hold your baby, and this new emotion sweeps over you. You are changed forever. You won't believe it until it happens. Your kids make you feel pure joy, happiness, rage, and sadness, and they will make you laugh." I just personally want to push back against that sentiment a tiny bit because, for I think for a lot of people, it is that it's like the second you hold your baby. It, your life has changed and you feel some emotion you'd never felt. And so I had a, a pretty rocky birth experience with Elliot. Um, by the time I held him, I was, I didn't, it, for me getting to know, it was a slower experience. Uh, it was, you know, and I had a bit of postpartum depression. See, I'm taking the wholesome out of this story. I had a bit of postpartum depression. It was just the whole, that whole first year was just kind of hard. And I felt like I'm not feeling something that I haven't felt before I have felt these emotions before what's wrong with me why am I not taking to motherhood like I am supposed to even though I loved him and I I loved being a mother it was just much more complicated so anyway I just want to say for it does not happen that way for everyone where it's like oh my god I'm seeing a color I never knew existed before it's on the spectrum if you felt love for people in your life it's on the spectrum of that but then you'll look back in a few years and you'll be like, oh, I, I have been completely changed by this experience. Um, OK, someone in Greg Jenner pointed out that they change your perspective. My daughter is two and her favorite film is my favorite film, Singing in the Rain. Watching her watch it has given me a whole new appreciation for it. And she's shown me new jokes I hadn't noticed, which are obvious to her. Mm. I have never I've never seen Singing in the Rain. I feel like I'm missing out. Uh, I haven't either. I know my friend Wendy loves to watch it with her kids. Oh, maybe I think we got to get on that. Yeah, maybe I'll throw it on because my kid. I showed him Grease
1: when we were when he was like the the dancing and everything, and he loved uh-huh. it. Like he loves music yeah. and dancing, and uh, he immediately like loved Grease for some reason. I was like, oh, that's I love Grease too. So, you, you know. know
2: what's a movie that I found is very spellbinding to kids is Sound of Music. Oh, really. Although when I rewatched it, because I thought I thought I had seen it a lot of times, when I rewatched it with Elliot, I was like, I don't remember the whole last third of this movie. I don't know that I had ever. It's a long movie, and it gets dark. Yeah, I don't know that I had never ever really like appreciated really where that movie goes but you know a lot of singing and dancing okay uh isabel oakshot says it may be the hardest job in the world but it's also the best and most meaningful what i can promise you is that it gets better and better mine are now 9 10 and 14 and i wish i could stop the clock right here not pure joy but many moments of it um i've that's what i've found that it i, I enjoy each age even more than the last
1: yes i have too it's slowly, and I think also, I think as a father, you have a, you know, obviously a different kind of relationship on some level with the kid than the mom, where like, mm-hmm. I think as a father at first, your only thing is like, don't drop the baby. And, <laughs> right. And I, I believe that probably the intuition of a mother to do motherly, take care of things is probably a lot stronger than it is for a dad. Mm-hmm. And for a dad, I feel it's more like learning, Right. What do I do? Yeah, like you learn a skill versus something that's intuitive, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe I'm just generalizing sexes right there, but I think in general that's how it works. And then uh, eventually you start to develop a relationship because you can be relational with the child, which is, I feel, a different kind of bond than maybe a a mother has. And so after the kid was like three and a half and you can kind of communicate and enjoy things together, that's when everything really kicked in with me going oh this parenting thing is is joyous versus like oh it's poop and pee and tears and and all that
2: yeah I mean at the beginning they need round-the-clock care and they don't give a lot back and I think it's okay to say that you know so there's (laughs) these moments where it's like where is the joy in this I have well also if you're someone who gets affected by not sleeping enough which I am that's what that was really hard for me just not sleeping ever and uh but, you know, I don't know. I really enjoy just watching them looking at their little personalities emerging and, and seeing them become little people. One thing about the mother's intuition thing that I was going to say, um, I don't know if this is how it is for, for you and your wife. But for Daniel and me, we can be sitting there watching TV, both kids asleep. And all of a sudden I'll just say, is that Owen? I think Owen is, is crying. Or I think Owen is making noise. And he's like, how? And, you know, and then we'll look at the monitor and he is. And he's like, how did you hear that? It's like I have this and it doesn't even feel like hearing. It's like a f- I can like feel in my body when one of my kids is making noise. It's weird. Wow. Or I just do have better hearing. I think I also have better hearing than my husband. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but I'm very attuned to it. Well, wow. so now you got
1: to start figuring out like he just skinned his knee at school. <laughs> you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, it hasn't it hasn't been like that well, yet.
1: They had those <laughs> awful stories where like a teenager gets into a car wreck or whatever and then the mother's like I was at work, and I got this feeling in my gut, and I'm like, whoa. You know? Well, the
2: thing is, as someone who's sort of, who has some anxiety, I feel like I get those feelings every single day. So one of these days, it will be right, and I'll be like, aha, I knew it. But I should really pay attention to the 99.999% of the time I had a feeling that something bad might be happening, and it didn't, it didn't pan out.
1: How many times did you think that the child was possibly stolen by a dingo before the age of one?
2: Fourteen to seventeen, T- times the day, and there time. aren't even any dingo around here. Is that the that I'm aware of? Is that the plural for dingoes? Dingo. I hope so, because as I said it, I was like, "Is that right?" Dinge. Sounded dingoes. Cr- <laughs> dingo.
1: Oh, any dingo. Dingoes.
2: I Dingoes. The dingoes ate my baby. No.
1: No. Well, this dingo has That's- something to say. He'd like to thank everybody for listening.
2: <laughs> yeah. These dingoes, yeah. yeah that, these these dingoes.
1: Well, I was going to say you're not a dingo to me, Allison, but I am pure, <sighs> pure. Di- you're a dinget. How about that? Thank That's
2: you, the a- dinget.
1: How about that? You know, everybody always has names for their listeners. You know.
2: Yeah. It- what should our What should those What should the the listeners be? No one would. They self-apply. should write in and let us know what they want to be called, uh, and write uh, to us at, and I Upworthy. No. Upworthy Weekly at upworthy.com. That's right.
1: Upworthy Weekly at upworthy.com. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And if you haven't yet, please leave us a review. Let us know which true crime podcast or podcast about murder you have. We're replacing. You're replacing <laughs> with this show. Uh, and let
2: us know what you want to be called and do that on Apple Podcasts. Uh, But rate us wherever, whatever, in whatever app you're using, there's probably a way to rate us. Give us a nice rating. That helps the show so much. Uh, And leave us a nice comment on Apple Podcasts.
1: And we'll be back next week with more murder and mystery.
2: (laughs) That's right.
0: Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.